In Acts chapter 17, uh, as Paul was speaking to philosophers in Athens, he made this statement in verse 26, and you'll find it on the screen. From one man, God made all the nations, all people, that they should inhabit the whole earth, and God marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. So God created all men from one man. That's how he chose to do it. And he marked out, God set aside the when and the where of every person's life, chosen times, chosen places. And if you've ever thought about this in your own life, um, I'm sure you can agree that there is something valuable to be said for having situational awareness, knowing your time, your place, what's appropriate in this given context. As many of you know, I spent the month of August at officer training school down in Alabama. And in the military, they call situational awareness an, uh, an acronym because they have an acronym for everything. Um, but they call situational awareness SA. And they were adamant at this training that we quickly learn SA in the training environment, that we quickly learn what to do when and how to do it, how to act in the given time and place that we were at. So for example, if you're walking anywhere, at OTS, the training, if you're walking anywhere, you had to cup your hands or be yelled at. And many, even, even when you don't have to cup your hands in the dorms or other places, the last week, I, I didn't have to cup my hands for a few days, and people were cupping their hands. The situational awareness, they're trying to build into you, uh, cup your hands, cup your hands. There were other things, many other things that they taught us essay on, how to eat, how to walk, how to talk, how to write dates, how to tell time, how to clean your room. And on all those things, if you didn't have essay, if you didn't have situational awareness, you were wrong. Situational awareness mattered a lot there, but it matters a lot for all of us. Because when we are accurately aware of our situation, we're just better positioned to succeed. And it's always mattered. Essay has always mattered. Just think about this, this, the big story of the Bible. The summary of the Old Testament is that people didn't live with good situational awareness because they didn't remember how good God was. Instead, they try to find good on their own. And that never ends well. It still doesn't end well. But despite our, as humanity, our unfaithfulness, God is always faithful. At just the right time, he became man in the person of Jesus, lived a perfect life, gave himself as a sacrifice for our sins in our place three days later, defeated death by his resurrection. And that gospel, that good news, has the power to reshape our lives and our world. It also gives us situational awareness on what matters most. Who are we? Where are we from? Who is God? What is life about? How do we live it well? It's situational awareness. And all of that is fleshed out. Those are big questions, but it's all fleshed out in your local context your life, our context, where God has placed us in time and space. So we looked at Acts 17, 26 at the start. Look at the next verse. Acts 17, 27 tells us why has God placed us where we are at the time that he did. He said, God did this so that we would seek him, feel our way towards him, and perhaps find him because he's not far from each of us. So 
Situational awareness is incredibly important. And the purpose of it all is that we might find God because he is available. And so what I want to do today is tell the story of this place that we gather each week and hope that we can connect that to that big gospel story that I just summarized. Because we, we need to see and remember that Christ is at work in our time and in our place over this last three years that we've spent together as a church. So we're going to refresh us on our situation so that moving forward, we live with a greater depth of gratitude and hopefulness and more accurate awareness of our situation. Because it is God's faithfulness that drives our faithfulness. We are called to be faithful, but the key to being faithful for us is remembering God's faithfulness. So I want to begin telling the story of this place by having each of you, I I invite you to close your eyes and imagine what did this plot of land look like 65 years ago. To the east, I imagine fields because those homes aren't 65 years old. To the west, I imagine a few homes, brand new roads, and a few young trees. You can open your eyes because I don't want you to go to sleep. But there was a group of people whom I know zero of who somehow pooled resources, money, sweat, time, I don't know, to buy this property, they built this building. They had this building built. You know, stacking cinder blocks on top of each other, bricks on the outside. Getting a gravel road paved and cut in to to the land. So I don't know any of them, but I do just want to acknowledge that all of us have benefited from their sacrifices that we enjoy the comfort of having a stable place to meet every week. And God marked out the time and the place for them to live so that men would seek him and find him because God is not far from us. Then, fast forward, I don't know, to the mid-80s, another generation of Christ followers that gathered here paid off this building. Again, that's kind of conjecture on my mind, or on, on, on my side, but I know this building's paid off. And they remodeled it based on what I've seen as we've remodeled it. And I'm guessing, again, this took place in the mid-80s. They probably added the the drop ceiling that's in here, the red carpet that you see on the slide, and some of you have known personally. Um, The lobby that used to be by the front doors, the small lobby, there was a sound booth and speakers. And I think they redid the basement. Again, I'm just trying to piece together what I've seen And I just want to remember that God moved in that time and in those people. God marked out the time and the place for them to live. And he did this so that men would seek seek him and find him because he's not far from them. And over the course of time, that church slowly dwindled and weakened until it was just a handful of people. And after the pastor unexpectedly died in 2015, using situational awareness, that church recognized what was happening. And in a move of faith, they reached out for help. Glenn Davis was here two weeks ago. Uh, He spoke to y'all. And he walked them through the process of what are we going to do next? Based on our situation and the awareness that we have, what's the next step? Through Glenn, that church got connected with me. 
because I was in seminary. God was calling me to plant a church, calling others here with me to plant a church. And in 2016, that former church voted unanimously to give the building to us, Orchard, as a, as a new church plant. And so at that time, I was stoked because we'd been praying for a place to meet. We were praying that we'd have what we needed to be a church for a long time, and we were a very, very small group, and a lot of church plants don't last. Um, but most importantly to me, the way that I looked at it, is by having a building, we didn't just save money, but we could focus on people and not just setting up and tearing down. The, the work of setting up and tearing down, perpetually moving in and moving out. So, again, I'm just telling this story so that we have situational awareness as we walk with God as a church together. And at that point, 2016, when we moved in here, um, we were thankful to God for the building, but the building was outdated and lacked functionality in many ways, like no vents in the bathrooms, a baptismal that leaked down into the basement, gutters that were literally falling off. It was like the month after we moved in. You remember that, John? We had some gutters to put back up because of storms, and there was water damage in the fellowship hall, really bad, bad roofs, boarded up windows. Those are just a few things as I was brainstorming that just... Again, so that you have situ situational awareness. Um, but nonetheless, again, we were given this facility. Flaws, frustrations, all its limitations. It provided a space for us to gather, and it was more than enough for a group of 25 that was committed to, uh, to be a part of what Christ was doing here, building his church. So unfortunately for the church, their pastor, me, uh, had a handyman acumen, like skill set, of less than... Uh, an engineer's dead skin cell, to be totally honest. <laughs> so I had a vision for disciple making, not facility shaping. Um, but God provided from the start. I was incredibly encouraged, everyone's eagerness to chip in. We painted basically every wall. We cut grass. We purged a bunch of junk. We should have purged even more. Um, we redid those gutters. The basement, I wish I'd have got a before picture, but that's the closest thing I can get. <laughs> The basement was, uh, if you think the basement's not inviting now, I wish you could have seen it then. Um, and one guy owned installing basement, like that basement hallway lights, LED, and fire exits. He just owned it. I mean, he just took it. Another guy just owned remodeling a carpeted pink kid's bathroom all by himself. Older guys from another church helped us build stairs that, like, we had to get to open the building on the east side, the, like, exit stair. And uh, there's a roofing company that just went above and beyond in helping us replace both, both roofs. Uh, and so, again, really slow going, but we learned a lot those first couple years. And, and frankly, God was teaching me, too, that, uh, you know, th this is a tool. Um, th this is, this, it, the church will never be about the building, but it's an important tool. And so I started praying because we were, we were filling this space and the, the pews and the, the, just the layout wasn't really helpful. So I started praying and felt led to do something. Our elder team, we all decided together this is what's next, but what to do and how, we, we didn't know. God provided an architect uh, from our sending church. So I could, I could have, you know, we could have paid someone to take out the walls and take up the carpet and, you know, whatever. But uh, this guy made it beautiful and... Uh, an architect is paid to give their advice, and he gave us free advice. 
as a church. Um, so if it wasn't for him, this room would be open but ugly. Um, so to add to that, two outside organizations contributed just under $25,000 together to this project out, outside of the church to help fund it because it, it, it was a big deal to church our size. Um, yeah, absolutely. So finally, after like a year, plans were set up. Last fall we got started. And many of you have been around the last 10 months from the time we started to today. Um, but in July, we finally finished just in time to have the first wedding at this building in years. So in those 10 months, many of you, through small groups or other, other times, helped paint, move things, clean things, move things, clean things, move things. And so I just want to say thank you. And uh, y even if you didn't give of the the moving and cleaning things is your time, uh, your money. Um, and, and the reason we're in this series, which we started, you know, a month and a half ago before I left, uh, is just to mark the moment, is to help us have situational awareness and to celebrate God's movement. So it's a really unique series. If you're new here, we normally are sticking to like working through the Bible. We spent like four months in the, in the, in the Sermon on the Mount. So so just bear with us, but we invite you really to know that God is at work through his people today, and, and we need to mark that. We need to remember it, and as we remember, we want to be clear. The best part of what God has done and is doing is us. Not that we're so great, but that he's so great to be working in our lives as people. He does not, he's not primarily interested in beautiful buildings. He wants a beautiful church. And a beautiful building does not equal a beautiful church. Paul writes about this in Ephesians 5, the beauty of the church. Christ loved the church and he gave himself up for her. Paul writes to the church at Ephesus that Christ might sanctify the church, having her cleansed by the washing of water with the word so that Christ would present the church to himself in splendor. And that word splendor is in the Greek in doxis. Doxus is glory, so it's in glory. In is an intensifier. So it's in great glory Christ wants to present us, the church, to himself without spot or wrinkle or any other thing that she might be holy and without blemish. A beautiful church. He's talking about the people. And so the real beauty that we are celebrating with this series is, is the essence of what God's building here. It can't be seen with the physical eye, but with the spiritual eye. Christ is building his church. And so here's just some, I, I recounted the story of the building. I want to I wanna just give some examples that I've seen of how he's been building his church, the beautiful church. Um, he's, he's answered multiple prayer requests. One of the first ones was that we were, a, we were a group of mid to late, or I guess mid-20s to mid-30s, the core group that started. And uh, at the beginning, and we asked God, would you bring older generations into our church family? Would we be multi-generational as the church is supposed to be? Um, and he answered that prayer. He's continuing to answer that prayer. He sent, we, we asked for recent college graduates because we're like getting older and older. And we, we want recent college graduates. And he's answered that prayer. We asked for people of different nationalities. And he's answering. He has answered. I believe he's continuing to answer that prayer. We asked for youth, and we, we've had opportunities to reach out to youth around us. 
Uh, we've asked him to send out missionaries from among us and to raise up leaders. And he's answering those prayers. We've seen people take steps in their walk with Jesus. And I know, I, I know that steps can seem really mundane. Like if you're hiking up a mountain, steps are hard. You get less and less oxygen the higher you go. And when I hike, I just look, step, step, step. But it's important to stop and to look back because all those steps give you perspective. And, and that's what we're trying to do. So steps like this in their walk with Jesus, people who really weren't having quiet times to having them regularly now, people who were not really confessing their sins, now they're living openly with others, confessing sin on a regular basis. We've seen unchurched people who claim Jesus, Jesus followers. Now they're churched. They're plugged into biblical community. We've seen churched people, so people who were going to church and following Jesus in that way, now they're owning their part in ways that they've never owned it before. So people, for example, you know, I didn't really need to serve before. Um, now they're serving in very significant ways. Uh, we've seen people, you know, choose to follow Jesus, which is incredible. Uh, we've seen people mark that commitment to follow Jesus in baptism. We, we've shared with those in need. We've mourned death together, celebrated weddings, welcomed new life, lots of little babies into the world together. And that's just a few, that's just a few things. I'm, that's not an exhaustive list at all. I, I want you to think today and this week, just, just think about how you've seen Christ at work in the last three, that's just three years. So the story of the building, it's, it's interesting. It matters, but it doesn't matter most. The story of what God is building is so much more interesting. And I just want to share all of that because most of the time, like I said, faithfulness just feels like putting one foot in front of the other. It feels like plodding, climbing a mountain. It feels quite ordinary. It feels like a choice. Another day to show up and engage. Another day to talk when I don't really want to listen when I'd rather talk, attend to another upset child, engage another difficult day at work, read my Bible or pray when I haven't seen any immediate change. But even when we don't see or sense God's presence, his faithfulness, he's still present. He's not far from us. He's still faithful. And so as we climb this mountain and look back on the beauty that God has done, that Christ is forming in us. Um, I, I'll tell you, I don't really know what's next. But I do know this. Our call is to be found faithful. Just like the generations before us, we've been placed here in this time and season, and our call is to be found faithful. And I've heard that before, and I've found myself asking, well, I agree, but what is faithfulness? Like, what do you mean? Yes, keep asking that question. That is the million-dollar question. Yeah, it's, uh, it's above the billion-dollar question. That is the invaluable question. But as you ask, we all must make sure our answer is yes. We have to have the ready yes available as we're asking that question. And God might leave you hanging for a little bit, like... He, he has purposes in waiting to, to give clear answers, but he will not leave us hanging. There are objective answers, so while you're asking the question, you can know 
okay, faithfulness, you know, like, it definitely looks like loving my spouse. Faithfulness definitely looks like serving those around me. Faithfulness definitely looks like praying. (laughs) Pray always, you know, being grateful, choosing joy. Faithfulness looks like those things, but we must learn how to hear from God. Another quick story on on faithfulness. Uh, Harold Bullock, he's kind of the spiritual grandfather of this church and other churches because our sending church, he was uh, kind of the spiritual father. He mentored Terry Williams, uh, who mentored me. But anyways, Harold Bullock was praying one day, and God gave him a vision to plant churches that planted churches. And so this, you know, kind of this incredible spiritual moment. And uh, then he got done praying uh, and got up, and he was like, okay, so what do I do next, God? Like, you just gave me this, this vision that has impact, like large-scale world impact. And then it was very clear, uh, the Spirit whispered, vacuum the carpet. And so that's what faithfulness looks like. Whether you're having this incredible high moment or you're vacuuming the carpet, you're doing the next thing with Jesus. And so I just want to encourage us today um, as we reflect, thank God for the good that he's brought about. It's not, I don't take credit for it. We can't take credit for it. But us, with God, um, this is what he's done. And I invite us all to remember and to celebrate how he's worked in our lives specifically. And so if you're new here, uh, I thought, you know, this is really kind of an odd message for someone new. Um, I just want to encourage you that God does have a place for you to plant, to put down roots. And I just want to encourage you, if it's here, awesome. If it's somewhere else, bloom where you're planted. Blooms don't happen overnight. And if you're visiting and you are planted elsewhere, you just happen to be in town and come with family or with a friend here, then uh, make their story, wherever you are, make that story your story. Play your role there and be encouraged about what God is doing through his community. Expect him to move. And I, I believe there's probably someone here today who hasn't yet decided to follow Jesus And I just want to say, you're an answered prayer. We've been praying that people who are interested or, you know, like, yeah, praying that people who haven't yet chosen to follow Jesus would come here. And we just want to say Jesus loves you, and we want to walk with you through your life, through the questions that you have about the Bible, about Christ. No strings attached. If you want to hang out for a few years or a few decades as we follow Jesus, we'd love to have you. And... Lastly, for me personally, just reflecting on all of this, it just makes me grateful. Um, It also makes me really eager uh, to see Jesus' story continue to unfold in our context. Because God has placed men in specific times and places for them to live so that we would seek him and find him because he's not far from us. So let's faithfully play our role in our chapter, our place of redemptive history. And in doing so, we'll experience God together. So let's pray. Father, we, we believe this, that you've sovereignly appointed us uh, to this time and place. And we know that faith pleases you. And so we want to be full of it. We want to be full of faith. 
especially help us to have situational awareness, to know how changing diapers, vacuuming floors, enduring frustrating work is part of our faithfulness to you and your glorious purpose, Jesus. And guard us against pride because we're always a step away from that, whether it's self-pity or boasting. Uh, But help us to live out of humble confidence in you.